Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast for the PGA Championship 2020 from Harding Park. We are going to have a great time with this, and we're going to get into the course. We're going to talk a lot about this golf course, what makes it unique, what kind of skill set it's going to take to play well here, the approach that you need to take when you're betting, the approach you need to take when you're playing DFS, how you should handle this 155-man field with a bunch of PGA Tour pros and PGA professionals, which suck. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our picks, who we like, who we don't like, where we think you can get some ownership leverage in DFS. We're going to cover the sports book. We're going to cover outrights, top 10s, top 20s, and we're going to have a damn good time doing it. At the end of the podcast, we're going to go on a little rant, and we're going to cover the most embarrassing TJ moment in our history. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Check us out on YouTube if you haven't already. Be sure and join us in the Nut Hut chat room on Wednesday night. All three of us, me, Pat Perry, Ben Little, the author of The Chalk Bomb, will be on video on the Tour Junkies Nut Hut chat for a couple of hours with all your last-minute info. We're going to get a lot of info and insight from our contacts on the ground at Harding Park. We're going to share all those last-minute thoughts with you. We're going to talk about DFS. We're going to talk about betting. If you're not already a member, you can go to tourjunkies.com, sign up for Golby's Nut Hut. It's only $10 a month or $90 a year, and you get 24-7 access to the chat. We've had over $2 million now, one, since the restart, only eight weeks ago. $2 million won since the restart by Nut Hut listeners. It is awesome. Come join us. Let's get to the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy. We're the tour, 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 tour junkies. PGA tour fanatics, golf addicts, podcast juice. You gotta have a special guest, DFS, DB, and them long shots. From Augusta to Sawgrass, we got your picks, we got your stats. Catch a bus, catch a last, sip some rose with Pat. Tour, 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 tour junkies. What's going on, Golf Addicts? The first major of 2020 is upon us. It is the PGA Championship from TPC Harding Park. Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast. I'm your host, David Barnett, joined by my co-host, the uh, the bearded Patrick Perry. How we doing, Pat? You bunkered down in Savannah doing the podcast during a uh, during a during a potential hurricane here. Yeah, doing great though. You know, we get to uh, we're doing this early. Get to a little do a little day drinking. Got a got beer for my podcast use tonight or today. Okay, and uh, yeah, we're just waiting on this uh, whatever it is, tropical storm. Isaiah sis 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 or whatever you however you call it. I don't know how you, what it's Isaiah's. Mm. Uh, okay. Anyway, if the power goes out, it means that it's come through and wiped awesome. everything out. But that's not going to happen. Awesome. I know it's not going to happen tonight. All of our YouTube viewers watching live are very proud of you, Pat, that you were on time today. Um, you know, we, we showed up when we said we would show up, so congratulations to you. You know, I was going to go with beer today for my podcast juice because we are recording this. We usually record this at night. Uh, we, we typically have a lot of podcast juice, adult beverages to get us going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did decide to go ahead and do this at 2 p.m. Eastern on Monday is what time it is right now as we're recording. And you know, uh, I was gonna reach in and grab a beer, but then when I I, I went to to get a cold mug out of the freezer and I saw that Wild Leap oh, vodka, it was calling your name out, huh? And there was only like this much left, and I'm I'm supposed to be getting more like tomorrow. There's only like this much left, and I was like, you know what? 
I'm just gonna. I made me an Arnie Palmy with some wild leap vodka in a master's cup. You know what I mean? Little nice. little uh, sweet tea, little lemonade, and a little bit of that wild leap. Oh. Nice, nice, refreshing drink on a on a summer day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I think so. Hmm. I think so, bud. We are gonna have a great show tonight. We're gonna talk about DraftKings. We're gonna talk about strategy, our picks. Uh, we're gonna talk through some uh, the golf course, TBC Harding Park. Then we're gonna have a little some betting. Picks. We got. We're gonna talk outrights, top tens, top twenties. Currently, not a lot of matchup bets being offered on DraftKings Sportsbook at the moment. So uh, tough to tough to really get into those. Uh, is this Pat remembering that he had to do his betting picks? Was that that face? Was that? Oh the no, face I that did. I, I got those. I got oh. those. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Don't worry. I got. Oh, I was, I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, we're gonna have a little fun. We always have a fun segment at the end of every podcast that a lot of times goes off the rails. Is m- most times not golf related. Sometimes it is. Tonight's gonna be a little bit of both. Um, so if you're a new listener, new viewer, that's what you can expect today for this episode for the PGA Championship. We're gonna have a ton of great content coming out this week. Primarily, you gotta you gotta you gotta be a Nut Hut member. You know what I mean? If you've not already joined the Nut Hut, that is our 24/7 chat room through tourjunkies.com. You can become a member of the Nut Hut for just $10 a month or $90 a year. Absolutely nothing. Pat, we have now approached $2 million in Nut Hut winnings since the restart, based on more Twitter messages and DMs yesterday that came in. Had some big winners. So shout out to you guys uh, that are that are continuing to just crush it in the DFS streets. We had some some sweats last week for the WGC uh, and the Barracuda. Had some outright bets going, mm-hmm. but none you know none of them worked out. We didn't have JT uh, as we don't normally pick guys that short of odds. You know I don't I don't I don't get into the nine to one plays. Um, just doesn't tickle me in the special spot. You know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but it was a great week in the Nut Hut. Again, had some inside information that came through late on Wednesday from our caddy friends. Shout out to Chalk Bomb Ben, who nailed the Chalk Bomb. Victor Hovland was our fade in the Chalk Bomb. Victor Hovland sucked last week. So props to him for that. We're going to have another great Chalk Bomb email dropping into your inboxes this Wednesday night. And I'm really excited for our our nut hut this week, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the podcast. Pat, any any critical observations from WGC? Obviously, Justin Thomas ends up winning by three shots as Brooks just kind of it away on on the 18th hole as he went to hit that at three wood um, and kind of gave it up. But any other observations that you think are critical as we approach the PGA Championship? You know, I think you can you can uh, take a lot of information out of out of this past week. I mean, one being the demise of Brooks Kepka was greatly exaggerated, and as we come in here to a major, he is certainly in great form, extremely confident. Uh, I saw a quote today where he was, that somebody was asking him about that drive on 18, and he basically was like, "Look, I was barely off, and I, you know, it was, I would have done it again, and you needed to be aggressive there. He was trying to win the tournament, you know. I can't fault him there." And so I think, you know, looking at what Brooks did, I think, you know, DJ got back into a little bit of form. I think that's interesting as well. Obviously, JT showing that, you know, he can he can challenge Ron for maybe becoming the number one player in the world at some point. So that was good to see. Another one that I thought was interesting, and we may talk about him later, is Abraham Answer is a guy, if you just look at what he did last week, he had one bad round where he was five over. But other than that, 
you take that five over round and make it a 70 even par, he would have been right there in the hunt at the very end. So answer yeah. is kind of interesting to me. I, I thought that, you know, a lot of people sort of forgot about him after that terrible round on Friday, but he really came back strong on the weekend. So those are just a few, you know, kind of obvious things that stuck out to me. And, and I'm going to, you know, definitely going to look at this past week when it comes to the form of these guys. This course that they played last week, TPC Southwind, was incredibly difficult. Now, there's not as much hazard as far as water off the tee at TPC Harding Park, um, but there is an emphasis on hitting it in the fairway, just like we, we saw last week, uh, and a few other similarities, and just a very difficult course. So, And you saw the cream rise to the, to the top, which is I think you're going to see again this week. Pat, I don't know. Your hair looks extra fresh today. Like, did you just get out of the shower for this? Because like, you, you look like a mob boss who just like broke somebody's leg with a with a with a pipe or something. I actually did just get out of the shower. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think along those lines, you hit most of it. I think Daniel Berger getting another top mm. five, which is like six out of his last seven tournaments. Um, your boy, who we were sweating at two twenty five to one, Tom mm. Lewis, uh, who you you talked up, could have been right there and just kind of just farted all over himself he on did. the last few holes uh, but he shot a 61 on saturday uh and then another guy who finished t2 who i talked up phil mickelson phil mickelson came out and got him a little t2 your boy jason day continued to play well despite me making fun of his back issues that was an interesting uh you know an, an interesting top 10 there for sure um your, uh, Paul Casey continued to suck, which I told you would ha- would probably happen. And like I said, Chalk Bomb Ben uh, nailed Victor Hovland, finishing 59th. Uh, Victor's played. I think I think this week will be his eighth out of nine straight event. Eight out of nine events. He took the 3M off. Um, yeah. So my my man's been playing a lot of golf. Anyway, uh, it was an interesting week, WGC. But it is time to move on. We're going to spend a good bit of time. Uh, this week, really diving deep and going into these players and these names. Pat, talk to us about TPC Harding Park uh, and, I, and what you think it's going to take to play well. And I'm going to chime in with uh, maybe anything you, you, you may have missed and what I think it's going to take to play well. We'll see if they line up. How about that? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, in here, you know, we're playing basically a course that we don't see a whole lot, so I'm going to dive into it a little more than I might normally do. But, uh, yes, we are at TPC Harding Park in San Francisco, California. It is a public course just along the beautiful Lake Merced and just inland from the Pacific coast. It is a par 70. It is playing 7,234 yards, but it can play as much as 7,400 yards, depending on where they put the tee boxes on each day. You got bent grass greens. They probably got a little po in there as they've been, uh, they, they were planted back in 2014, and that's sort of a prevalent grass, but I think they're going to putt like bent. We'll see maybe later in the week if we get some caddy information in the nut hut. Um, they're fairly large by tour standards as far as the greens are concerned. There's not a lot of slope. But I bet they're going to be running extremely quick. I think the PGA is going to get them as fast as they possibly can, especially since they don't have a lot of slope. we got a 156-player field this week. Top 70 in ties make the cut. Top 70. Ooh, big deal. Which is big not deal. what we've seen. The PGA has said, we're, we're, screw the PGA Tour. We're going top 70. Yeah. you got 95 of the top 100 players in the world scheduled to tee it up here at Harding Park. So it is a definite stacked field. Seven par fours longer than 460 yards. I think that's important to look at. We looked at that last week. We had the same thing. Eight holes of, on that par 70 were playing between 450 to 500 yards. 
You also got two potentially drivable par fours in seven and 16. So some of your more aggressive players might be able to drive those greens, especially like Bryson, who's just been bombing off the tee and as, as aggressive as ever. Yeah. Um, I don't think one of them's all that drivable when you look at. It. I, I I don't think it will. Be, I can't remember which one. If it's either seven or sixteen, there's one of them that there's uh, there's just too much trouble right there. I, I don't see him trying it, but you know, definitely could go super deep down there and and have a little you know half pitch shot in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shorter par fours, very scorable. Both par fives are, are over 560 yards, so you'll see some of the longer guys be able to hit those into. Um, other than the rough, which I think is going to be very penal, you got dense sort of cypress trees, um, you know, along the fairways. There's not a whole lot of trouble though off the tee, really, other than the rough and the bunkers. They, they've got these bunkers pretty strategically placed, where you know these guys are going to have to take them into account. They're not just going to always be able to just bomb them over them. Uh, so I think that's important. The rough, by the way, is Kentucky bluegrass with some rye. Um, what else do I got here? Um, you know, I think that these guys are really just going to have to be very strategic off the tee. You can't just cowboy it up around this place. I mean, you can't just say, I, you know, I'm going to have one strategy and I'm bomb it and do whatever. I, don't, I just don't think you can do that here. You got to be pretty accurate. The fairways are fairly are, are pretty narrow, so I think that is important. If I could like choose a golfer that was like the perfect golfer for this course, it would be, hey, you can hit it very long and you hit it very straight. Now, that combination doesn't always come together, but if that's what I was going to do, that's, that's what I would look for. Uh, but all said and done, I think it's going to be a very tough track. I think scoring is going to be tough to come by. Weather looks pretty perfect, definitely going to be cooler than what they've seen the last few weeks, especially in Memphis. Um, you look at where, you know, maybe some, uh, you know, the times they have played this course in the past, we saw them play the 2015 WGC match play here where Rory won. Uh, we saw the 2009 President's Cup was played at Harding Park. Tiger had the most points, by the way, that week. And then 2005, the WGC American Express. Tiger also won here on, that, on this course in that tournament. Past champions, we had Brooks winning two years in a row in 19 and 18. We had JT in 2017, Jimmy Walker in 16, and Jason Day in 2015. Real quick, just to just to talk, you know, some of the stats I looked at. I definitely looked at driving accuracy. I do think distance matters. Um, I looked at, you know, you're just your good ball, ball strikers. And again, like last week, that par four scoring stat between 450 and 500 yards. I think that might be just sort of an outlier to look at um, as well. So there you go. I'm almost out of breath, DB. Uh, and I Very would nice. say this. I'll add this. You know, with the Weather conditions there, weather, you know, it is nice and it's, the weather's supposed to be good, but if you get some dense fog that tends to come in there, that can weigh down the ball a little bit. So that might hurt some of these guys that have, have a little bit more distance, you know, just depending on what it's like day to day. I don't know how much you factor that in without knowing too much until Wednesday, but yeah, it is something to look out for. The ball does not travel as far uh, in, if we get those t- kind of conditions. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to travel that far either. Any, anyway, I mean, you're going to have you're at sea level, so the the ball's not going to go as far. Uh, I'm not sure you mentioned this, but this was previously hosted two WGC events, 2005 and 2015, as well as a Presidents Cup in 2009. So there is some players commentary. Oh, good. I okay. just went through there's all some that. player there's some player commentary out there that talks about you know how this course kind of played, how the ball doesn't fly here. Um, and and how it can play it can play lengthy and they've they've lengthened it since then so um, 
you know, one of those par fives is reachable. The other one, maybe Bryson will get to, or if they really move up the tee boxes one day, they can get to it. But one of them's like over 600 yards. Um, it, and you mentioned those long par fours. I think that's key. They taught they. It's it's been very documented already that they've really narrowed in and squeezed in these fairways. I, I want to say I saw something. The average fairway width out here at Harding Park was around 22 to 23 yards, which is very narrow. Your average tour events like 30. Um, so it's definitely getting tighter off the off the tee this week. Um, I, I kind of think when when you look at the layout of this course, there's like you mentioned, there's not a lot of water, there's not a whole lot of trouble. I mean, there's sand traps, there's rough, which everybody's talking about could be gnarly, which we'll definitely hear a lot more about. We've got probably you know more than a half a dozen caddies who are getting who are arriving right now as we speak. We just got a photo from one getting off the off the plane. Uh, so we've got a half a dozen caddies or so arriving, a bunch of players that we can talk to. We'll know a lot more come Wednesday night uh, for the Nut Hut members. We'll have a lot more information there. Um, but uh, you know, other than the rough, th- there just doesn't seem to be a lot of a lot of stuff here, and you can really, really miss it well left or right and be in an opposite fairway and and just hit it over the cypress trees. This is a municipal golf course. This is a a TPC track, which normally plays easier. The layout is normally easier by nature, just being TPC and being a muni. The only way they can make it defensible is doing what they've done by tightening the fairways, lengthening the rough. You you mentioned the greens are pretty big. They're they're not that you know they're not small greens, so they're easier to hit. Um, they're not super fast. And there's not a ton of undulation because it's primarily bent grass, and you just can't have all that undulation unless you're Augusta National and you tear them up every summer. So, um, you know, I, I just I do think that there are going to be some players, and I think Bryson's one of them, who are going to try and overpower the golf course uh, because I think he could just on a number of holes blow driver. And if he's in the rough, he's in the rough. He'd rather have a wedge out of the rough than a you know a, a six iron out of the fairway or if he really loses it he can hit it in the other fairway you know and just hit out of that um i, I just i mean seriously i, I look that's at a this, strategy at we don't over. hear too much on the show well if he really loses it he's just gonna be able to hit hit it from the other fairway listen this is how db plays golf man like if if i <laughs> for example there's a there's a hole here there's a course here locally that i always play really well because i can play from the opposite fairways and so you know you, yeah. you can have that miss you know you can aim it Hell, a lot of times I'll aim at the tree line, and I likely ain't going to hit it straight. So if I hit it left, I'm in my fairway, and if I hit it right, I'm in the other fairway. So I mean, I, well, I don't know. I just, I'm the only thing is, is I think these, from what I've read, and, and here and again, we ha- we don't haven't seen this course all that much. Is these cypress trees that are along the the fairways can like gobble balls up? Like they're 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 very kind of. You dense. see how high Bryson's hitting the golf ball well, right yeah, now? Yeah, you're right. I mean, for Bryson, I mean, maybe, Bryson. but. Yeah, I mean, I, I said there's a handful. I think there's yeah. a handful of guys who are going to try and maybe overpower it more than some. Regardless of all of that, at the end of the day, length matters here. It, it is going to matter. I, I don't want a ton of short of short players. If I'm going to play a short player, I want him to be in excellent form coming in. I don't want him trying to knock the rust off. I want good form, a good price, um, and a good pedigree in majors and tough and you know tough tournaments. I just I just don't. I think considering you're at sea level, you talked about the fact that the air can just be heavier here. The ball's not going to travel. Um, they're going to have longer irons into these greens. And I also, too, you could argue with the fairways being sh- you know shrinking in like that. I mean, even the short knockers aren't going to always be in the fairway. So if if I, if 
if a lot more people are going to be in the rough, I'd rather the longer players be hitting out of the rough than the shorter players be yeah, hitting out of the rough. Yeah, I, I agree there. I, and I'll add this. I mean, just as kind of another little, and, and I know you're going to you hate this, but you just mentioned that, you know, you're going to have some longer iron shots into these greens. I think if you are looking at, you know where I'm going with this. If, yes, I think I if you're trying to look at players and maybe you just want to decide between a few, I don't mind looking at proximity 175 to 200 yards out. I just don't. Large greens, you're going to have to, you know, look. Yeah. I just think it's something to pay attention to. You might hear me mention it a few times. Fair warning. I, I did I did mean to say this. This is unrelated. With the WGC uh, match play event, I just don't think it's worth looking back at that. I mean, there's guys that I guess you could say, oh, they played here in a competitive, in a in a competitive event before. But when you're playing match play, you're, the way that you attack the golf course is so much different. Like I would say, these players are more focused on competing against the other player more so than they are the golf course. Whereas this week, they're going to be thinking about beating the golf course. They're going to play the golf course, right? Yeah. Whereas, I just, whereas in match play, it's just a totally different approach. I, I don't only like, mentioned that as an out, just saying that they that was another time they played this course. I, I wasn't yeah, saying yeah, no, that I'm looking at it as some sort of like I know just that, Rory I, but won other there. people. Other people will be con- con- contacting us going, well, what about so-and-so who made it to the semifinals? Or what? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I just agree. don't think that's as relevant. I think that's too much noise. Um, all right, so in terms of stats for me, I'm looking at strokes gained off the tee, which obviously takes into account distance and accuracy. Strokes gained approach, obviously. You know, I think uh, Data Golf showed that distance and, and strokes gained approach were the two biggest indicators on this golf course. Um, so, uh, you know, you got to hit your irons well into these greens for sure. Um, I think par 4 scoring, as you mentioned, uh, par 70. Ownership in terms of DFS is going to matter. And, um, you know, you mentioned it, top 70 in ties. That means that worst-case scenario, 156 players in this field, okay, if exactly 70 tie, then worst-case scenario, 61% of this field is going to make the cut. It's probably going to be more than that. You can go ahead and eliminate um, yeah, about the, about the, forty players. The, yeah, the PGA professionals. And, and the, I, I kind of went through the field and eliminated more than just them. I did eliminate the PGA professionals, but I also eliminated a handful of other names that just I, I just don't think have a chance to make the cut. So I I came up with a number of one hundred and fifteen players that I think could like have a have a chance to make the cut. One hundred fifteen. So now you've taken this field from 156 to 115, and you're going to get top 70 in ties. You're going to make the cut. You're going to have in DFS. You're going to have a lot of six of six lineups this week. This is not going to be like the carnage we've seen in weeks past since the restart. There's going to be a lot more higher a higher percentage of six of six. That's very very critical. A lot like last week with the WGC in terms of ownership, though, because you've got so many huge names and big names and it's such a deep field. I do think ownership will be diluted and spread out, as we saw at the WGC. You're not going to have anybody that's like 25, 30% owned, um, like like we normally see. So in terms yeah. of DFS, you know, I think you you can you know pay attention to ownership. Make sure that your your lineup does have a couple of guys, two or three that give you a significant amount of leverage, especially if you're playing in some of these big contests that are offered over on DraftKings. You need leverage, but I'm just saying, like, you know, if you're going to eat the chalk this week, I'm doing air quotes, if you're going to eat the chalk in DFS, what that means is you're really eating, like, 20% guys or 22% guys or 23% guys or 18% guys, which isn't super, super chalky, right? Like, we, we definitely see it a lot higher than that. But make sure you got some guys in your on your roster that are 
5%, 6%, 4%. Make sure you got some of that in there too so that you can differentiate your lineups. Um, so, and then in terms of, you know, I think another important thing is when you look back at PGA Championships over the years, incoming form has definitely been an indicator. You know, and, it, and a lot of times it can be for majors, but having guys who have played recently and played very well, um, I, I think the stat is like top 30s. There's only been like two players that haven't had a top 30 finish in the previous start since like 2000. Um, and then also only like two or three players in the last since 2000 that have not had a win in that season or that calendar year. So obviously this season's been weird with COVID, but I think form is very, very critical here. I, I'm not going to be jumping on guys that just, you know, and I think I'm going to get cute with them and surprise everyone. I don't think that matters. Like, let's not get too cute with that. Let's, let's get guys who are, who are in form and, and can, can show up and play. How's that sound? We ready? Sounds good, yeah. I'm ready. All of our data, all of our stats are coming to you courtesy Fantasy National. That is where we go. That's where we've gone for going going on four years now for all of our golf stats because the PJ Tour website sucks for golf stats. If you want great golf stats and golf stats only, fantasynational.com slash TJ, or you can use promo code TOURJUNKIES when you check out is the way to go. They offer subscriptions weekly, monthly, or annually if you want to join. You can even join this week to try it out. And if you go, man, this is awesome, then you can sign up for a month or a year and you still get the 20% off discount because the Tour Junkies sent you. Um, they have lineup optimizers for DFS, ownership projections for DFS. But yeah, you can dig into all the players, all the stats you could think of, even, even proprietary stats that only Fantasy National has. Again, we've been using them for three and a half years. They are the best. Check them out, fantasynational.com slash TJ. So when you hear us reference where these guys stand in a certain stat category or recent form or whatever, we pull all of that from Fantasy National. We only have to go to one place, which is fantastic. For course history, for recent form, for stats, it all goes to fantasynational.com slash TJ. So there we go. Let's, uh, let's get into it, buddy. Ready? Yeah, I am very ready. Let's go. Let's start the DFS portion tonight in the 9K and above range on DraftKings. We are going to talk through the ranges. Now, again, this is early Monday, okay? Very early Monday. We're trying to plant our flags in some players early. A lot of things change between early Monday and, like, late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning since it's a Pacific Coast uh, event. You and I, Pat, being here on the East Coast, get some extra time in the morning to, tink to you know, I was about I almost said tinkle, but I mean tinker. <laughs> to tinkle a little bit, yeah, and yeah. tinkle. I and always tinkle I always too. do tinkle in the morning. Yeah, um, I think that that sucks about getting it sucks about getting old, man. Like no matter when I stop drinking, like if the last drink I had today was this vodka drink, and at, at like I wrapped it up at like three o'clock, without fail at four a.m. my body would find some liquid to vacate, and I'd have to get up in the yeah. you know four a.m. in the morning and go take a piss. Same way tinkle. for me. Mine's like five thirty though, so you're a little earlier than me. God, so frustrating. Yeah. Anyway, we'll have a few extra hours to tinker and tinkle, um, but a lot will change. So, you know, we, we, we're going to do our best here to kind of guess on who's going to be popular, who's going to be not. You know, it, it, there's definitely some, some ranges here. To me, the, the 9K and above and the 8K range, I feel pretty strong about. I don't feel like it's going to change a whole lot for me. Um, the 7K range is where I feel like I'm. I could give you a dozen names. Yeah. But, but that 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 
It's the biggest range, so it could happen. Um, let's start at the 9K and above. So we got Dustin Johnson all the way up to Justin Thomas, who is our highest priced player at 11.3. A little softer pricing this week, as we usually see on DK with major championships. A lot of a lot of new money, a lot of public money, a lot of people that don't play a lot of PGA Tour, DFS, are flooding in, and they, they, they tend to soften up the prices. Plus, it's just an incredible field, so the price is soft. So JT coming in 11.3 feels like a little bit of a bargain. Um, and I will start with JT. That is who I'm going with at 11.3, coming off the victory. Um, I, I just love JT at this golf course from a tee to green standpoint. Now, he did scare me a little bit as he started to uh, he started to, to leak oil there coming down the stretch. Um, but I, I feel like I don't think anybody's irons right now in, in the game of golf, both in the short-term recent form since the restart or the long-term last year to two years, I don't think anyone's irons are better than Justin Thomas. And I love that, uh, I, I love that on a major championship golf course where we know you gotta hit greens and you gotta give yourself birdie making opportunities. We know JT can play excellent on tough golf courses if the rough is in fact up and this place is brutal or the wind gets to blowing. Uh, he can he can do that as we've seen him do at Oakmont and other other majors throughout the years. But we also know that if it plays a little easier, which PGA Championships historically do, and the winning score here is you know 15 under to 18 under, we know he can keep up there too. Uh, I love the form, as I mentioned, so I think JT is a no-brainer for me, and the salary is plenty soft enough for me to be able to fit him in uh, into a lineup. So I'll roll with JT. Then I'm going to drop down to Xander Schauffele. $10,000 Xander Schauffele, another superb iron player of late since the restart. Xander is freaking killing it. Um, he is uh, first in this field in greens and regulation since the restart, third in strokes gained off the tee, fifth in par four scoring between 450 and 500 yards. We just saw him get a sixth at the WGC St. Jude. He's a California boy. Um, I kind of like a little California edge this week. You know, I mean, there's something to playing on the West Coast and, and – being familiar and like understanding those you know those surfaces out there um so i kind of will give a little lean towards some california homers i uh, don't mind that whatsoever and then finally if i have to plant my flag on one more player for tournaments i am going to go with patrick cantlay uh, another california kid i was on him last week at the wgc he sucked the first day first two days absolutely sucked but came back with a vengeance and had a pretty good weekend uh, in route to a T35. You know, Cantlay's a ball striker. If, if this place gets windy, he's incredible. If it still, you know, like I said, stays rather benign and plays easy, he's still incredible. He putts best on bent grass. When you look over the last 100 rounds on the PJ Tour, his best putting surface by far is bent grass greens. I, I mentioned a California kid. Uh, and when you look at last week uh, and what, what he did, you know, what he did last week, he, he didn't gain the normal strokes off the tee that he usually does. He was dead zero in strokes gained. Um, whereas since the restart, he's had, uh, he's had, he's gained a half a stroke, three strokes, and three strokes, and then zero. So it, it really just sucked off the tee. Now, his irons were still extremely solid, gained almost three strokes on approach, and he just didn't putt that great. Um, so all in all, I, I'm not too scared about Cantlay. In fact, I hope a few people jump off of him as a result of the poor or kind of middling finish that he had at T35. 
Now, another player that I like in tournaments, but I'm going to list him as my cash play. So if you're playing 50-50s or double-ups or head-to-heads, you know, and you want to play a cash game, we recommend you typically, you know, kind of uh, just focus on getting six players through the cut regardless of ownership. Don't try to be cute. Just put the six strongest golfers that you think can make the cut in a lineup. And I will start with Webb Simpson there in this 9K and above range. I love Webb here um, just from, you know, a guy who is very accurate, a guy who can hit his long irons really well because he's going to have some long irons into these into these greens for sure. Coming off the T12 at the St. Jude where he felt like he kind of backdoored into that. He won the RBC Heritage a couple weeks ago. So I'll go with Webb in cash. And finally, my fade is going to be Tiger. It's major championship week, uh, which means he's going to be a little extra popular, but it's really not about that. It's really about the highs here are 65 degrees. Um, you know, he's gonna if he tees off in the morning, he's gonna be teeing off in the 50s. Uh, and I just don't know that I want to back, you know, Tiger's back. I don't want to back his back in this weather, in these, you know, in, in those conditions. I'm just, I think if I gotta plant my flag and and fade a guy, I'll fade the public Tiger and uh, and his aching aching back in cooler weather he's talked about it though like he this is not this is not grandpa's knee hurting because he feels like it's about to start raining like tiger has talked about the fact that in cooler weather he struggles to get the back loosened up so i think for that reason i'll I'll be out there's a lot of great names here in the nike and above so it is it is tough to fade one but if i got to there's the one Okay, wow, this is going to be interesting. So there's some agreement and there's some disagreement here. So I will, um, I'm going to start though with a guy you didn't mention who I do love this week, and that is John Rahm at 10-5. I am not going to pay as much attention to what we saw last week. Um, he did not play well. Uh, if you look at it across the board, I mean, he really was, I mean, he basically lost strokes in almost every single major category other than off the tee and putting. I think it was just sort of an off week for John because we've seen him play incredibly well. We just saw him win at the Memorial in a very difficult course. I like him this week. I mean, you look at stats, he's definitely a great ball striker. He's fifth in the field off the tee. He's 21st in driving distance. So, you know, and then he's also, you know, he's he's fairly accurate. I mean, he's 32nd in the field in fairways gained. So this is kind of one of those guys that has the driving distance, the accuracy, all that kind of stuff. I think John Rahm is primed to win his first major. I I just I love him this week at 10-5, so I will be all over him. Uh, I am in agreement with you on Xander. So Xander was actually my cash play. I can see you playing him in yep. tournaments and whatever else, but yep. I just love him. Interchangeable there. Yeah, I just think he's a he's a great solid cash play, and I think he can easily win this tournament too. So um, I like him in cash. Cantlay was my other GPP play. I was sort of surprised. I thought you might be in disagreement with me on him. And for all the same reasons that you said, great putter on bent, checks the box off the tee, ball striking, distance. I think his ownership might be a little bit lower this week, like you said. I think there's there's a chance of that. So Cantlay was one of my other GPP plays. Oh, uh, and I, I did forget to mention, we did find out after the fact, like it was like Thursday or Friday. It was It was Thursday night or Friday. Someone on the ground at WGC told us that Cantlay was not feeling well or something. He, he had not been feeling well. Yeah, but um, it wasn't the COVID, and, apparently. But it wasn't COVID, and it, but he hadn't been feeling well, which may have led to the rough start. But it looks like he either, he either started feeling better or he just powered through it because the weekend was much stronger. Yeah, agree something there. Something to note. So my last GPP play was actually Tiger at 9,200. 
I like him this week. Look, yeah, nobody can, you know, he's he's sort of one of those players that's hard to peg because we haven't seen him all that much. He didn't play great. He barely made it into the weekend at the Memorial. But we know he's just a fantastic ball striker. We've seen him have success on this course before. Now it was, you know, many moons and backs ago uh, for Tiger. But I still think that he can have a good week. I want to see, I'm, you know, I'm interested to see where his ownership comes in because he was like 20% in tournaments at, at the Memorial, which I thought was way higher than I thought it would be. I think it's going to be a lot less this week. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting. If I'm seeing a 20% Tiger, I probably would come in the Nut Hut on a Wednesday and say, you know what? We always get that question in the Nut Hut, by the way. Like, who's the guy you talked about on the podcast that you you were on but you were now off? I could see me because of ownership. And I know we talk about the public money and all that kind of stuff with Tiger. Um, you know, we'll want to look at that. But I, I still like him. I still think that, you know, despite the weather and whatever else, um, we've seen him hitting, hitting the ball great all year long. So I'm, I'm in on Tiger at 9,200. I like the price too. My fade is going to be Bryson. I know you talked, you kind of, you, you talked him up a little bit early on. I think he's going to be too aggressive this week. He's going to be bombing all over the place, but not in the right spots. We've seen him just bombing it all over the having place, having all these blow up holes. You know, like he's going along fine, and then you know Bryson's going to Bryson, and then do something, and he's worried about ants and everything else out there. And I just, I, you know, the thing with Bryson is this: oh, he is like, he's very streaky. We've seen that throughout his like career so far. Like he was playing great at the restart. We all saw that, but then he missed a cut, and then he didn't play all that great last week. So I'm kind of in that that camp right now that Bryson's on on the on the you know, he's on the backside of a, of a good streak, and he's he hasn't really played that well the last few weeks. So I'm not I'm not in on Bryson this week. I'm just uh, I'm not I'm not. By the way, I mean you know props to us, Pat. I'm gonna go ahead and take the victory lap here um, for finally getting Bryson to block us on Instagram. Yes. I'm very proud of that that yes. trophy. For those of you on YouTube, you can see the you can see the proof on Instagram here. He has officially blocked us. Um, he still he's allows us on Twitter. Biatch. He still yeah, he allows follows us on Twitter, but yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, man, I just you know. Now here's the thing. I I absolutely have not been afraid, despite hating his guts. I've not been afraid to play him. I mean, I've been playing him regularly since the restart. So I, it's not one of these things where I, I can't stand him, and I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna tell you not to play him just because I can't stand him. It's, that's not it at all. Yeah. I, I can't stand that it. That wouldn't be smart. Um, <laughs> no, it would not be smart. But, I mean, if you look at the, the trend here, so he came out with the restart. The The, the, the concern is his iron play. Um, obviously, strokes gained off the tee, he's killing it. And yeah. putting, he's killing it. Uh, but the concern is his iron play is trending in a very negative direction. Uh, and at he, the started Schwab, off, he started off hitting more fairways. Everybody was talking about that, right? Early on, they were saying... Hey, he's. I mean, not only is he bombing it, but he's hitting fairways. Well, not as much now. I mean, he's 98th in the field in, in driving accuracy. I mean, yeah. Um, at the Charles Schwab, he gained five strokes on approach. At the RBC, he gained six. Okay, he finished third and eighth. Then at the Travelers, he went from gaining five and six strokes on approach to gaining point seven. Okay, and he still finished sixth. But then at the Rocket Mortgage, which funny enough, he won. He lost a half a stroke with his irons, but he gained seven off the tee and eight putting. Okay, so then at the Memorial, he lost over six shots on approach and missed the cut. 
And then last week, he lost over seven shots on approach and finished 30th despite 10 strokes gained with the putter. Now, I do think Bryson has, you know, something that's not been talked a lot about is I think his the way that he's putting right now is actually really, really smart. Like, his whole arm lock. Yeah, and, I agree. I mean, it, it looks terrible, but he may have broken the code there, too, a little bit. I mean, putting is definitely a lot of feel, and you you, you got to read the greens, all that stuff, but... In terms of like variability of the stroke, I, I think he's kind of cracked the code there too, and I think he's going to continue to putt well. I, I don't think eight, you know, eight strokes gained, seven strokes gained putting weeks every now and then are going to be crazy for Bryson. But the concern is definitely the irons and the wedge play is not adding up. So for that reason, I think I'm out if I got to do the Shark Tank deal. I mean, <laughs> I, I think Bryson, I, I would agree with you there on the fade for Bryson, but I do think. I think he's gonna he's gonna double down on his strengths this week, and he's gonna just. I feel like his strategy is gonna be attack and give me the shortest club. Well, you can't say shortest club because all his, all his clubs are the fucking same length because he's a dickhole. But give me the the most lofted club in my bag, right? Or whatever the hell he says. Give me the most lofted club in my bag from the rough, and I'll take my chances. I, I just I, I think that's what he's gonna try to do, and if he does, it scares me a little bit. To fade him because yeah, I just I could see that it just scares me a little bit. Do we know what the ant situation but. is out there? I mean, are there a lot of ants? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? oh, sh- is it, is this a popular season for the ants? Are are the grasshoppers out? Because if grasshoppers are out right now, the ants are all afraid. We know yeah. that from the Disney movie, yeah, uh, or the Pixar movie. Um, so if there's a grasshopper infestation at the moment, then that means less ants, which means Bryson's probably okay. So we need we need to check in on that. Yeah, we need. To all right, let's. Let's move to the 8K range, um, which will be Daniel Berger kicking it off at 8,800, no 8,900 player this week, all the way down to Patrick Reed and Terrell Hatton, both at 8K. Pat, I'll let you uh, I'll let you get it going on this one. Two tournament plays and a cash play as well as a fade. But before you do, actually, Pat, I'm going to actually interrupt you there. Uh, i got to talk about something, buddy. I'm going to show the, the viewers on YouTube something scary right now. Mm-mm. I'm going to show you them are not gonna my new this. undies. Mm. My new undies. Right there. See it? It says, chill the boys. Chill oh, boys. You know what? I'm Our wearing friends. mine. I'm wearing mine as well, but I'm, I'm going to save you? the audience that views us on YouTube <laughs> of any sort of uh, visual of that. Our friends at Chill Boys have sent us some amazing underwear. I am wearing currently the bamboo boxer briefs. That's right. I said yeah. bamboo. And these things, my favorite part of it is the anti-chafing zone, mm. which is coming in handier as I sit on this wooden podcast chair in my hot freaking attic or bonus room, which I know yours is too. It, the anti-chafing zone is critical. It may be what what uh, you know what Bryson needs to maybe get himself in a better mood. But if you're you know if you're like us, you don't like playing golf or even talking about golf in hot, sticky clothes. It can be a distraction. So our boys at Chill Boys, our friends at Chill Boys. Have come up with a solution. They are a Minnesota-based company making lovely, lightweight, breathable underwear for any weather circumstance, any any circumstance. Um, and they sent us a whole thing of these, and they're so freaking nice. I threw away a bunch of my old stuff just for this. But imagine if you could play around a golf on a humid 90-degree day without sweating your nuts off, without and take care of the boys. Picture yourself in that hot, humid day, not worrying about sweating through your shorts and keeping your balls nice and comfy you know nice and comfy so um 
I'm really proud to have the Chill Boys on board. They are a great bunch of guys. We've talked to them uh, on the on a Zoom call. They were very nice. And yeah, Minnesota-based, love golf, love the show, and said, you know what, your listeners need to know how to chill the boys. So hey, listeners, do us a favor. Go check out our friends, Chill Boys. Go to chillboys.com to see the full line of cool, soft boxers and boxer briefs, and use code TOURJUNKIES to save 15%, not a measly 10. We're talking 15. about 15. That's, that's 15. pretty good. That's one of the highest percent discounts we've seen on some yeah. of these deals. Yeah, you can get 15% off your first order. Anything you order, you could order all kinds of stuff. Anything anything you order, 15% off. Um, and again, all you got to do is go to chillboys.com and use code TOURJUNKIES. Save that 15% off, man. These, these things are... Now, the bamboo I learned is just naturally cooler and softer than cotton. And I can tell you personally, because you boys on YouTube just saw my undies, it is it is true. It yeah. is true. I'm wearing the uh, the cool the cool ones or whatever they call it, not the bamboo ones, but the other cooling boxers, and they are quite comfortable, quite comfortable. Very nice. We appreciate the Chill Boys for helping us out. Now let's get to the 8K range on DraftKings. Where are you going to start? I am starting right there at the top with my boy Daniel Berger. Been on him all year, and I'm still going to stay with him. I mean, the guy's just playing incredible golf. You know, you look at his ball striking, he's 12th in the field. He's top 15 in the field in driving accuracy. Um, you know, I talked about that stat of par four scoring from 450 to 500 yards. He is number four in the field in that stat category and also eighth in strokes gained approach. You can't argue with the form. I think that he is probably one I'm going to be eating a little bit of chalk with. I would imagine there's going to be some ownership there on Daniel Berger, but I do not care. I love him this week, and we'll play him at 8,800. I'm a big fan of this whole range, really, by the way. There's there's a lot of guys in here I actually like. I think you're probably a little different. But I'm going also back to Jason Day at 8,400. Three straight top ten finishes. The guy is just he's, – he's playing good golf right now. You cannot argue. I mean, there's, there's just – there's no argument there. I mean, the guy's playing good. I can't argue. No, I will, I will not argue. I mean, he's playing good golf. I mean, the back's always an issue. We know that. Um, but we have consistently seen super low ownership on him. I think he was like 6% owned last week. Um, and I think you'll probably get it again as well. He was 6% on, on GPPs uh, at the WGC. And he's just he's been consistently under 10%. I like some Jason Day there at 8,400. He will be one of my tournament plays. My cash play, who I could also play in tournaments as well. It's kind of like Xander up in the 9K range is Morikawa at 8,600. Another just fantastic ball striker. Seen him in pretty good recent form lately um, with a win and, and whatever else. I mean, just across the board. I mean, the guy is, is incredible. Um, about the only stat where you really don't see him pop is driving distance. But I'm yeah, not really not that super long. I'm not really that concerned there with him for Collins. So I like him in cash. Well, he's not short. He's not he's, short. He's not he's short. Just, he's just not, you know. Not, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of middle of the pack when you look at his driving distance numbers. And then my fade is going to be a guy that I've been just, I've, I've been loving on. I've been loving on him. I've been stroking his his head. That is Terrell hmm. Hatton at 8,000. Hmm. I am going to fade him this week. I, I know he we've had some, some good form from him. Um, I feel like, that, you know, at that price at 8,000, I thought he might be a little bit more expensive, but he didn't have a great week last week. Um not very accurate off the tee, doesn't check the box in driving distance, doesn't check the box off the tee. 
where he's really been making hay is on some of the shorter courses on his, you know, with his approach game and everything else, which I, I do think is is important out here. Um, but I'm just not a big fan of Hatton, so I will be fading him at 8,000. So there you go. That is uh, my AK range, and I was interested because I don't know if there's like chat things flying through here that I'm not looking at, but like I just get these like the the YouTube version smirks from DB. So I'm wondering, like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, uh, the whole I, entire I gotta time. Say, I gotta say, I've never felt more like a stripper um, in my 36 adult years because uh, we, a YouTube viewer and longtime listener, Marcus Miklovich, has has sent us a super chat for a dollar ninety nine because I showed my underwear. So uh, I'm, you getting, I'm getting dollar bills thrown at you? I'm getting dollar bills. Uh, I'm getting dollar bills. I feel. I feel. I feel special right now. I feel um, a little tingly in my in my middle, a little tingly in the. It middle. would be Marcus that would do that. It would totally be Marcus. Yeah, I mean, it would not surprise me that it was Marcus. Um, I mean, he's a California guy. They're all a little, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, I feel a little weird. But hey, I'll take the dollar ninety nine. I'm not going to turn it down. I will take the dollar ninety nine. So that was what was going on. I don't even remember who you picked. I know you said. What you do you think I would have gotten if I, if I had actually decided to show mine? Like, what have I, would I have probably gotten? Like a negative number. Only one way to <laughs> only one way to find out, champ. Only <laughs> one way to find out. Uh, all I heard was you stroked Terrell Hatton's head, and he hadn't been playing well. So maybe you <laughs> no, he's been him. playing well, but not last week. And I just don't. I don't. I don't like him. He was my favorite. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, it's really hard to ignore Burger in this range. I feel like. He may be one of the most popular. I think he's going to be top. I bet he's top three or four um, owned because people are going to play him. Even if they go like studs and duds, they're going to play him. And if they fade the top and go way balanced, they're going to play him. The, the form is just impeccable. And the greens and regulation, the approach play, I mean, everything just checks. So I feel like he's going to be super chalk. For that reason, I put him as my cash play. And I think what may happen is Morikawa may go a little under the radar. Maybe not. Maybe I'm completely missing so maybe, the boat here. Maybe flip those two. I kind of like playing Morikawa. I mean, I had him written down anyway. I bet him a couple weeks ago um, for the PGA at Harding Park. He's familiar at this place. He's played here. Uh, he's on record talking about how he's he's rather familiar with Harding Park. He's obviously a California kid as well. Seventh in the field in strokes gain approach, ninth in greens and regulation, twelfth in strokes gain off the tee since the restart. You, you mentioned it just one a few weeks ago. I think Morikawa at eighty six hundred is a steal, uh, but either Berger or Morikawa, I love them, and I think either one of them I would play regardless of ownership. I, I will. That is chalk that I would eat in in that range. Now, a guy that I do think I may get a little bit of leverage with and hopefully, dear God, some winning upside would be Hideki I Matsuyama. It. I knew it. Uh. I'm going to try Hideki. I haven't played a lot of Hideki since the restart. I really tend to be one that picks my spots with Hideki. But at $8,200, um, coming off a T20 at the WGC, okay, uh, not not bad. 11th in approach, 14th in greens and regulation since the restart. He's had some trouble off the tee. I'm hoping that gets worked out. Now, we know Hideki is a god-awful putter. Now, we are coming off of Bermuda, which he is off the charts piss poor in putting on Bermuda. We're getting away from that. His two best best services are Poa and Bent. 
So thank God. That's what we're coming to this week. And, you know, he's still, his iron play is still very solid since the restart. He's only had one week where his irons have sucked, but he's, he's gained three, five and a half, five, all since the restart. He just needs to hit a few more fairways and just a couple more fairways, and I think he's fine. But long-term form, you know, hitting fairways and greens is not a problem for Hideki. These are not super difficult greens. Uh, they are a little larger, so maybe you have to worry about some three putts with Decky. But I, I don't, I don't feel like he's going to be real chalky. And I think I could get some leverage in potentially winning upside at a guy who's competed in a ton of majors, ton of WGCs and big events, and he's in good form. So I think Hideki's my guy. I'm going to fade Patrick Reed. I'm going to fade him. Um, I don't mind playing Hatton. I'm not going to freak out over the 69th place finish at WGC, but I, I don't like where Reed is at right now because, unlike Hatton, his iron play has been really, really bad. He's just saved everything with his scrambling, which you can do. But his iron play has been awful. 92nd in approach, 95th in greens and reg since the restart. Uh, I think I'll pass. So There's the AK range. Okay. Ready to move on to this monstrous 7K range, yes. Patrick? Gosh, what are you just... doing here? I, I don't know what to do here. I, I got to be honest. Like I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place here. I got a lot of names, lots of names written down. I'm kind of the same. I'm, I'm a little all it's... over the place, but um, you know, if you want me to start, I will. And I am going to yes, start. I'm going to start in the little in the middle range here. And this is a guy that you liked last week, and um, we've seen him. We saw him play okay last week with a T35. But he's definitely a guy that I think can play this course really well, and that is Sergio Garcia at 7,600. Mm. I'm a big fan of his this week. I think ownership will probably still be low on him. You look at the stats, though. He is second in the field off the tee. He's, he's eighth in scrambling, 14th in driving distance. That may actually surprise you. Um, 23rd in that par-4 scoring stat from 450 to 500 yards. The biggest part with him is, is we always talk about, and, you know, he is checking the box in ball striking, but on strokes gained approach, he actually hasn't been as good. So, you know, I think it's 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 been, that's been kind of where his issues have, have has come up, but I, I do like Sergio at 7,600, so I will play him as a tournament play. Um, my cash play, I mentioned, I'll go back to some of my tournament plays, though, is Abraham Answer at 7,700. Yeah. I just think he's a great cash play. Checks all the boxes from the stat category, from the stat standpoint. I mentioned the fact that outside of that one bad round last week, he played incredibly well. He continues to do that. He's in good form. So I think Answer is a, is a very good play there at 7,700. Um, another guy that I really like down below in the low 7K range is Harris English. You know, Harris English is just one of those guys – that just kind of plods along, you know, nobody, he's, he's never, I don't know if you got a ton of win equity out of him, but he is just a solid, solid golfer, and you look at his last couple of events, he was 18th at the 3M, and he was T13 at the Memorial, uh, as far as the stats are concerned for Harris, I mean, he's, he's a great scrambler, hits the ball in the fairway, you know, he's pretty good with his approach game. He's in the top third in the field as far as strokes gained approach and ball striking. So I think it's 7,200. You can't really – I mean, he's a, he's a good guy to get on right down, down there if you need a little bit cheaper guy here in the 7K range. So I like Harris English. And then my last tournament play is a guy we haven't seen at all, 
And I keep gambling on this, and it has not really paid off. But I'm going to go with Adam Scott at 7,800. A guy that I still think has mm. a great game for this course. He's going to be low-owned for sure. Um, I like the price at 7,800, so I will play him in tournaments. And you know who my fade's going to be? And I don't even know. This this is like I'm, I'm kind of like you. There's a there's a several guys I think I could fade, but this is a guy I'm I'm wondering about where the ownership's going to be just because he's right there in the middle of this range, and that is Matt Kuchar at 7,500. Just doesn't excite me all that much. We haven't seen him really contend at all. He doesn't. He doesn't he's, feel like backdoor top ten Kuchar anymore. No, he, he feels doesn't. like he's kind of lost it. Like last a couple years ago, last year he he was this backdoor top ten machine. I mean, his last top ten was the was the Genesis. Um, before that, you have to go all the way back to the Canadian Open in June. Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't feel the same since since really the beginning of 2020. It just hasn't felt the same. Yeah, and I, I just I don't know. And it's not. I mean, he's not been. You know, you look at ownership, it hasn't been incredibly high over the last few weeks, but I just, I don't know. I think a lot of people, especially when you when you get newer players on some of these bigger weeks like this, you're going to look at a guy like Matt Kuchar at 7,500 and, and just be all over it. And I just, I'm not a fan, so he will be my fade in the 7K range. So there you go. DB, it's your, it's your turn All right. I'll start with, I'm surprised by a couple of the names here. I I like it. Um, I like it. I like it. I'm going to start with my fate, and it's going to be Justin Rose. Don't like the form. Um, Three three missed cuts most recently. Now, he did come out pretty hot uh, on the restart with a third and a 14th at the RBC Heritage. It it does feel like a good price, but when you look at the stats, it's it's not good. Uh, The stats are not good at all. He's changed his equipment, which we know, and I think that will benefit him, but he's, he's still going through it. He's also changed his coach. Um, I just think there's a, there's a lot of a lot of variability going on with Justin Rose. Now, he's a name. He's a major winner. There's for sure upside. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Like if if we get four percent projected Justin Rose come Thursday morning when you're tinkling and tinkering, then <laughs> maybe that's one to jump on. But I feel like if I'm gonna you know I, I thought the easy route would actually be a guy you you named, which is Adam Scott. Because I've just made a, a, I've made, I've made a living since the restart fading yeah. guys making their first start, but I don't want to do that. Uh, I think it's Rose. My cash play and tournament play and whatever you want to do with him is the same as yours. Abraham answer. You just Abe just doesn't make a ton of mistakes, which bodes well for a guy at seventy seven hundred dollars that you need to make a cut. You need to have some upside. Uh, he just doesn't make mistakes. His greens and regulation numbers are off the charts, um, and he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. I think, and the form is as good as you need it to be coming into a PGA Championship. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Sergio. I actually had him written down. I'm gonna go since this is the Monday show. I'm gonna go. A l- I'm gonna try to give you some guys who I think are a little off the radar a little bit, uh, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I'm gonna start. Now, I will say this. I, one guy that I do like that's not off the radar is Shez Reavy. Mm-hmm. I like Shez, playing really well right now, but he's going to be popular. A guy right below him, or right there with him at 7,400. I'm going to play Bubba Watson this week. I, I like, like it. I like that call. I'm surprised I you like said Bubba that, here. but I like I was a little nervous to say it, to be honest. But <laughs> There's a, a number of players on record talking about how this favors a right-to-left ball flight. Um, you know, he... he, he 
25th at the WGC St. Jude. Uh, iron play wasn't fantastic, which I, I don't like to see that. But um, I just, I don't know. I, I got a feeling here with Bubba. I think he's coming around. I read something earlier that he's now employed Claude Harmon, Brooks Kepka's guy, um, to help him out with putting a little bit and help him out with like course management, kind of mental stuff. He, mm-hmm. Bubba made a point in saying that it wasn't a swing coach because right, Bubba's never had a swing yeah, coach. Doesn't want one. <laughs> wants to go to the grave having never had one. But I don't think he needs a swing coach. If you look at his numbers for seventy four hundred dollars, he's since the restart. Okay, so since the restart, he's thirty fifth. That's what this is like. A bunch of miscuts, a few miscuts in it. He's 35th in approach, 25th in greens and regulation, 6th in strokes gained off the tee, and number one in par-4 scoring 450 to 500. I mean, it's pretty solid for a guy at 7400 bucks who's a major yeah. champion who can contend. So I think I'll get some ownership leverage with Bubba. Um, I'm going to skip around here a little bit. And then I'm going to go to a guy who I think you were on last week, and I just missed the boat. Um, and he's burned me. He's burned me since the restart. And it's Shane Lowry at seventy five hundred yep. bucks. Uh, Tita Green has been pretty solid. Needs to uh, need, needs to maybe hit a couple more fairways would be nice. Uh, losing a little bit off the tee, but his best putting surfaces are Bent and Poa. Uh, played really well last week. Played very very solid. Tita Green gained seven over seven strokes. Um, if it gets windy, we know he can play in the wind. He's competed in majors. Um, I don't know. I kind of like Lowry at 7,500. He ended up in my best lineup last week that I had. And I will say this, a little plug for the Nut Hut. I can't remember what the information was, but we have some sharp listeners in there. And uh, somebody threw out, whether it was a stat or a little bit of inside information on him that really just kind of struck me. And that was how he ended up in there. So it's, you know, again, it's not just like we talk about this all the time with the Nut Hut. It's not just us throwing out information. We got a lot of sharp listeners and uh, folks out there and that was where I got the tip to play Lowry and it, it worked out pretty good yeah um, there's some names down here in the, in the low sevens though that are very interesting to me I mean I think your boy Tom Lewis pops um, and it's obviously confident Corey Connors when you think about iron play Tita Green a, sa- a safe cut making name I think at 7k I think that's interesting I think the same about Kevin Na. And I, I like old Seabez. I'll go back to the well with Seabez. Christian Bezenhut uh, at 7K. Those are all some names I think are kind of interesting in that lower uh, $7,000 range on DK. I just got to throw those out there. I, these are just names I'm mulling around and that kind of, you know, they, they, they kind of hit me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, all right. Who are your who are your plays in the six K range? Who's catching your eye? All right, so I'm going to give you two up top, and then I got one very cheap guy that I think could be an interesting play. But um, uh, so I'm going to start with Brendan Steele, and you know I know you just can't stand his hmm. swing, and you you hate this you hate I the can't. Brendan Steele swing. Um, I freaking hate it. Yeah, it's not great. But we've seen him play well. You look at his last three starts: T six at the Travelers. 52nd at the workday, but then he followed that up with a T13 at the Memorial. Um, you know, looking at at the stats right now, he's certainly checking a few boxes there. I mean, he's 40th in the field in ball striking. He's 30th actually in driving distance, 12th in par four scoring from 450 to 500 yards. Um, he's 33rd in strokes gained approach. 
He is also 12th in that proximity stat I mentioned from 175 to 200 yards, which I think they'll be in that range a lot this week. So Brennan Steele, I think, makes a, a little bit of sense down here in, 60, in the 6,900 range. Another guy that I like is Dylan Fratelli at 6,800. I like him as well. He is, uh, you know, he's good in that par-4 scoring stat. He's, a, he's an accurate driver of the golf ball. Um, checks the box and, and off the tee when you're when you're considering guys that are down this low. So I like some Fratelli, and he's you know he's been playing you know pretty well lately. You look at his last um, where is he? Last two starts, he's got an 18th at the 3M. He was 22nd at the Memorial. So that, that was coming off a couple missed cuts, but we do know he got the COVID. Uh, and then had to come back, and he missed a couple cuts, but then played well, like I said, at the Memorial in 3M. So I think Fratelli is a good play here at 6,800. Another guy now going really cheap is Tyler Duncan at 6,200. He has made six straight cuts on tour, which I think is pretty daggum good for a guy that you're getting at $6,200. Looking at the stats for him, he is – got to go way down for those – um, he's third in the field in driving accuracy. He's 40th in that par four scoring from 450 to 500 yards. He checks the box and strokes gained approach. Good ball striker. So I think if you, I mean, really cheap at 6,200, can't really go wrong with trying a guy out like Tyler Duncan. Now, I don't know how much I'm going to go that low in, in a lot of my lineups, but, you know, I think, you know, before you get to these PGA pros and everything else that are down here, you know, he is certainly worth a look, and he's making cuts. And so, you know, if you need a cheap guy to throw in your lineups and you're playing that studs and duds strategy, I think he can be a, a little fill-in right there. So there's three guys in the 6K range that I like. Uh, okay. I There's agreement with Fratelli. I kind of looked at Fratelli. He's interesting. I know he struggled a little bit, and I need to dive a little deeper. He struggled hitting some fairways. Um but I, that may be on the upswing here. But I, I'll start with the lowest option I have right now, which is which is HV3. Harold mm-hmm. Barner the third at sixty six hundred dollars. Like that's just a really good value for a guy who, you know, plays and contends at a lot of PJ Tour events. He almost won the Genesis here at Riviera back in the spring, a comparable course on the West Coast. Um, he finished thirty sixth at last year's PGA Championship. He's got a seventh place finish at a Players Championship. You know, not a ton of, you know, major championship experience for Harold, but, you know, he's a longer player. So, you know, long irons, um, you know, shouldn't be too much of a problem for him. He's third in greens and regulation and 15th in strokes and approach since the restart. Very solid for HV3. It's, It's tough to ignore the ball striking ability and cut making ability of Lucas Glover at 6,700. I... I mean, it's just, it's really tough. Like, if you're going to, if you're thinking, all right, I need to get six of six through for sure, and you're going to play a studs and duds, I mean, Lucas Glover feels like that kind of guy at $6,700. It just feels like a, a very safe, high-floor guy. You know, is the upside all that great? Like, should you play him in the millie? I don't know. Because, I mean, if you're going to play the millie maker, like, you need six guys in your lineup that are going to finish top 15, right, or at the worst. You need... You need the winner, you need four guys in the top 10, and you need one guy 15th or better. And I don't know that Lucas gives you that great of upside, but if you're playing in a smaller, you know, lower entry contest, maybe higher dollar, I think Glover's an interesting cut maker at 6,700. 
Then uh, above Fratelli, or right there with Fratelli, Luke List is actually a surprisingly good, tough golf course, um, kind of uh, long, but but longer. He's actually good at those. If you look historically over how he performs on par 70s that, that, that score difficult, he's actually very solid with that, and he's coming off a good form. Uh, he just won on the Corn Ferry Tour, which I know is not a PGA Tour victory, but he, you know, it's a win, right? The guy's confident. He checks a lot of boxes since the restart. Um, 41st in greens and regulation, 15th in strokes gained off the tee, 40th in par four scoring, 450 to 500 since the restart at 6,800 bucks. So I like him. Finally, as I work up, two names at 6,900. I think Ryan Palmer and Matthias Schwabi are very solid plays. I've been on Ryan Palmer a lot since the restart. Shockingly, I've got him right most weeks. I think I, I think I missed him on the two weeks he missed the cut. But, I mean, look at him since the restart. Ryan Palmer is playing very, very well. He, I think he likes difficult golf courses. Um, you know, but, I mean, since the restart, he's got an eighth-place finish, a runner-up, and a 15th at the WGC last week. The Irons were on point last week and the week before, or the, his, his week before, the Memorial where he gained 10 strokes with the iron play. I think that's solid. And Matthias Schwab has also played very well, and he's played good in WGC events. Uh, in the past uh, with a T4 at the WGC HSBC back in the fall, winter area. And, and he just played last week at the Barracuda and played very well. Was making a lot of birdies, a lot of eagles. So clearly he's playing well. He's hitting the ball well. He's striking it well. I think he's an interesting name that will also give you uh, very low ownership because a lot of people don't know who, who the crappy is. So there you go. That's the DraftKings breakdown and preview. Oh, feels good. Feels good. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. A lot more information to come in the Nut Hut. By the way, uh, the Nut Hut is going to be a three-way this week. It's a major. We're excited. And when I say three-way, I mean we're going to video a three-way. Me, mm-hmm. Pat, mm-hmm. and then Chalk Bomb, Ben Little, author of the Chalk Bomb, resident tour junkies genius, who spent over two hours in the Nut Hut yeah, on video was... last week. Major props to Ben for that. Um, but we are all three going to get on the video on Wednesday night on in the Nut Hut. We'll be in there for a couple hours at least on video, answering a ton of questions. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so make sure you check that out uh, and you join for $10 a month or $90 a year. It's stupid, stupid cheap. And the chat room is not the only feature. There are other ancillary benefits to the Nut Hut. Before we get into the betting picks, though, Pat, i got to remind everybody, that baseball is back, and NBA is back. So, you know, the boys are back out on the court. They're back out on the diamond. It's weird AF. There's cardboard figurines in the stands and managers and umpires having arguments from six feet away. But uh, while we can't be at the park, there's plenty of action to be had from your own home. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field and on the court with a shot to play for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Baseball, for example, pretty easy to play. You just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. And you can put all that baseball knowledge to the test and compete for hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if baseball isn't for you, obviously we got a ton of golf action. we got a ton of NBA action. you got MMA. It's the best, all right? So with millions of dollars up for grabs every week and this week, no better place to have skin in the game than DraftKings. You can download the DraftKings app now and use promo code TOURJUNKIES to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars. So use our promo code, download the app, and you get a free entry into a Millie Maker contest. 
uh, with your first deposit. That's promo code Tour Junkies to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings minimum. $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Thank you, DraftKings, for supporting the Tour Junkies as always. Yes. Partnering with those folks for a few years. Appreciate it. Now, Pat, let's get into the sportsbook plays, shall we? Let's look at DK yes. Sportsbook. Let's talk through some first impressions. Um, you know, I'm not going to like be super hard and fast on some picks right here, but I'm just looking at the board. Obviously, DB's Big Balls betting card, which is up, I think, 40 units since uh, since the start of this new season in 2019. We're up 40 units. We'll be featured in the Chalk Bomb email that hits your inbox every Wednesday night of a PGA Tour event. If you want to subscribe, just go to tourjunkies.com. Bottom right-hand corner of any page, type in your email and subscribe to the Chalk Bomb. But that is where I will put my, my betting card for the week, and it will be a lot of fun this week to get that going. Pat, what do you think, man? I mean, as we as we look at the top of the board, you got yeah. JT at nine to one. Top of the board, you tend to love the shorter odds players. Uh, although you were not on JT last week, um, so shame on you. Damn. But who who are your shorter? And I actually will give you one as well. I, I know this is a shocker, but I'm actually going to give you one uh, short number uh, as well. But I'll let you I'll let you start and kind of work through this top range. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not really looking at, you know, or too excited about JT at 9-1 to or Brooks at 11-1. to um, But when you get down to Xander at 18-1, to there's there's some, you know, it moved a little bit. It moved a little bit right there. And uh, Ooh, you so, know what? Mine did, too. So, so both moved at the same time. That is the one that I had. Yes. Xander at 18-1. to I'm, I'm a fan of that. I think that is a – and you maybe – Put, put you know a couple units you know maybe double up your units on him at 18 to 1 oh i'll I double like up that. my unit on xander at 18 yeah, to 1 for yeah. sure and then can't lay at 25 to 1 those are the two guys that are if we're talking less than 30 to 1 or so those are the two guys that i like right here um other than that they're a little bit uh longer and if, if you need me to get into to those i can unless you just want to digest those two right there but uh that that's really I'll, good I'll, I'll kick down. Uh, yeah, Xander was my one. 18 to 1, I like that. Okay. Berger at 30 to 1, you know, is interesting, but I bet him like a couple of weeks ago at 50 to 1. So I can't, I just, it, it's hard for me to look at that number and stomach it. Uh, so hopefully you got on that one earlier when he was 50 to 1. Uh, I guess I would start at Webb, who is a guy that I, I didn't really get into a whole lot in the DFS portion just because. Um, I don't know. I was trying to give you some some different names, but I think Webb at thirty three to one is you know one where I would start. And then I don't I don't really have anybody until I hop down to now Morikawa. I bet a couple weeks ago as well. I think he was at fifty to one, so it's hard for me to look at him at thirty five. But a guy who we didn't talk about at all in DFS, I think Tony Fino, forty five to one. I will bet Tony Fino. I will I will likely put a little something something. On I can't win for crap unless it's the Puerto Rico Open, Tony Finau, because I just feel like at this point he's trolled us all so much by nearly winning a regular-ass PGA Tour event that the one that he wins will be a major. I just feel like it'll just be a major. Yeah, And he plays well at majors. Yeah, he does. He does well at majors. So Finau's interesting. Um what else you got down here? I mean, what do you think about Abe Answer, fifty-five to one? See, I have Abe Answer listed down at fifty-five to one. Now, there's some guys in here that you know we talked about on the show that I'll bet, and then some that we didn't. 
that I think are, are worth throwing a, a bet on. You know, I we didn't really talk about Victor Hovland. You mentioned him a little bit at the beginning of the show, talking about how much he's played lately. Um, but I like him at forty-five to one. I think he's really. I, I do I like can't him. Bet him. I, I just. I don't think he's going to win this tournament, man. Like he's not going to win it. He can't. I mean, he shanked a couple of chips. Last I know, week. and it's it's. But I, just, I mean, he shanked him. He's got to get that under control if he's going to close the door yeah, at a big event. Everything else he's doing extremely solid. I mean, the guy he is, is off the tee approach everything. Um, a guy on, you, I think it, I think he'd have to be like sixty to one or something for me to bet him. Well, a guy you mentioned on the show is a fade that I think you could actually throw a few pennies down for a bet is Justin Rose getting him at seventy five to one. I mean, this is a still a, a world class yeah. golfer that is has won majors. He's taken a couple weeks off. You never you know that could have helped his game. Um, so you're getting a big number for Justin Rose at seventy five to one. I think that makes sense. And I just have a few more that I'll mention. I talked about English on the show. He's at 100 to one. Uh, I think he's a good play. Longer than that, I like Adam Hadwin at 150 to one. Just an incredible putter. He's been playing fairly well recently. And then my longest shot bet you mentioned as well, and that is HV3 at 250 to one. Yeah. I think that's a. I mean. I saw that. Throw a little bit on it. I mean, the guy. You're. I mean, he could. Yeah. He could come out of nowhere and win this tournament. You could, you could, I could see him winning this tournament. I mean, he's been playing well, so he's at, got the he's got the swag to win to to come out and win a major as well. I mean, yeah, the the Genesis is is a good field. That's a strong field. You know, he's competed in these things. Um, well, he's so also I, sixteen to one for a top ten. So if you don't want to go out and I wrote that down, I wrote I think that down that's, too. That's yep. even one that you could really look at. Um, Two fifty to one is a big number. You put a little quarter unit on that. Yeah. You just need to. Throw and I, a I got some other top tens, but I can let you, you. Yeah, I got those two. Let's hold off on those. Um, I think uh, I think Phil at ninety to one. I'm buying into the Phil hype right now. Ninety to one, Phil. He had to watch Bones navigate the course all day on Sunday with JT, and um, uh, there's a little beef there, I guess. I, I don't. He's just playing well. I, California. He's always. He's always. Loved Cali events. I don't know. I think Phil at ninety to one is. It just feels. It feels special. It feels tingly. Um. Could Ryan Palmer win this event at one twenty-five to one? Nearly won the Memorial. Had Rom not kind of run away with it a little bit, um, which is a very tough course, tough field, tough conditions. Uh, I I think one twenty-five to one is is an interesting number again. There are 115 guys at best that could literally that could that could that have a chance of making the cut. 115. There are probably 80 that have a legitimate chance of winning this golf tournament. So a guy who just finished runner-up at a tough golf course in tough conditions against a strong field just a few weeks ago, Ryan Moore, at at 125 to one, I like. Another guy at 125 to one that I don't have to really explain that much is Bubba Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Bubba in the DFS uh, segment. You know, obviously a major winner can. Uh, I think the right to left suits him here at uh, at Harding Park, and he actually plays well in California too. Um, even for a, a Baghdad, Florida boy, tends to play well in Cali. Another player that I mentioned, and and to win this this would be tough, but um, Luke List at 175 is just something that just get catches my eye. And then I had HV3 as well. So in terms of outrights, those are just some 
initial names that kind of pop for me. Um, so there you go. Top tens. You mentioned HV three at sixteen to one. I like that. Um, I like Joel Damon at fourteen to one. We haven't talked about Joel yet. We've we've shared a lot about Joel in the Nut Hut chat every week, and uh, it's been pretty good. Last week was pretty good, and he played well last week. He just had a couple blow up holes that that really did him in. But fourteen to one for a top ten. I like that. A guy that we've not mentioned for a top 10 that's even longer than HV3 and Joel is Cameron Tringali at 18 mm. to 1. Tringali tends to be a, you know, very solid tee to green, like accurate, great iron player, like really good iron player, like top notch iron player. So if he can hit it in the fairway and use those irons to his advantage, drop a few putts, I think a top 10 for Tringali at 18 to 1 is a nice number. I don't get too chubbed up about you know a six to one top 10 so there you go that's it for me and i have right. one top 20 bet i have i don't have any top 20 but i'll give you a few here in this top 10 range i think doc redmond who is a guy we've seen now he hasn't played great in his last couple of events but you're getting him at 20 to one to finish in the top 10 i think he could you know he could pop here and just have a good week and has been a solid player since the restart for the most part i like this is crazy number for me and look, he hasn't he hasn't played all that great. Now he did make the cut at the 3M, and I think he was like dead last last week at the WGC. But he's still, I mean, a, a guy that's played a lot of majors, has a lot of experience, and that's Rafa Cabrera Bello. We're getting him at 28 to one to finish in the top Oof. 10. That's a big number for him. And then a guy, you know, sort of a local Augusta guy that we've seen play well on the West Coast before, Pebble Beach, he won things like that. Vaughn Taylor, 33-1, to 1, top 10. I could just see him sliding in, getting a little backdoor top 10. So big number for a top 10, I think, for Vaughn Taylor. Now, he's not long off the tee, but he is very accurate, good with his irons, you know, pretty good putter. So I think he could he could make a little sense as a, just a flyer top 10 play. So there you go. Okay. Um, I had one top 20, and it was just a name that stuck out to me at a big number for a top 20 at 14-1. to 1. Keith Mitchell. I mean, maybe I'm a sucker for Keith Mitchell because I hit him at 150 to one a couple years ago to win the Honda, but you know, and he sucks on bent and poa. He loves Bermuda, so that's that's not good for him. But he can have good weeks. You know, I talked about Ryan Palmer playing well at the Memorial a couple weeks ago. Well, that same week, Mitchell finished 22nd at Jack's Place in a strong field, mm. tough conditions, tough golf course. Finished fifth at Bay Hill earlier in the year. Another one finished 16th at the Waste Management earlier in the year. Um, so I mean, he's got top. He's got top 10 upside. So top 20 upside, 14 to one for a top 20 bet. I'll, you know, I think Keith Mitchell is you know just one of those names that can't can pop. He's either going to miss the cut or that's what he's going to do. Like that's the thing. He's either going to top 25 or he's going to miss the cut. Yeah, that's kind of his mo lately. And yeah, right now there just aren't a lot of matchups out there right now in DraftKings, but keep it locked to the Chalk Bomb email on Wednesday night. We'll have some matchup discussion and uh, some more betting discussion, uh, as well as obviously in the Nut Hut. So there you go. There's the betting. Pat, let's wrap it up with the final segment tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have a little fun, but i got to be honest with you. I, we, we had scheduled the Chunk and Run um, segment where we just tackle a listener question about anything golf-related, and then we tackle a listener question about anything not golf-related. But I have to do a little mini... We have another segment that we'd like to do called the putter throw. 
And the putter throw is when we just get freaking pissed about something and we rant, and it can be about anything, golf or non-golf related. Can I take just a second to do a little mini um, putter throw segment real quick? By all means. Do you mind? <clears throat> Nick Faldo's followers are baby back bitches is what they are. <laughs> I, I cannot believe. I uh, cannot checks Twitter. believe the the uh, the the response. So yesterday, I'm watching coverage for you know the eighth weekend in a ninth weekend in a row religiously, and um, uh, I, they were doing the they were doing a breakdown of Brooks Kepka's swing, Konica Minolta. I called my little my my ten year old over as a golf stud, and I wanted him to watch something because he he tends to get his head out in front of the golf ball too much. And Brooks does a really good job of staying behind it, keeping his head back, keeping mm-hmm. it. And so I was like, oh, I said, come here, come here, come here, come here, watch this. And and Faldo mentions for the for the fifty eleventh time in the last nine weeks about oh look how he really gets his shoulder under there you know he just gets his shoulder right under his chin I really like to see that that's a terrible Nick Faldo accent but you know what I mean and so I just simply I said dang like every week Faldo tells us to put shoulder our shoulder under our chin so all I did is I tweeted if at Nick Faldo. Okay, so I tagged Nick. Nick follows us. Okay, he's, he's followed us for a long time. We follow Nick. He seems like a, a, a nice bloke, uh, a nice mate, right? And I tagged him. I said, if at Nick has mentioned the left shoulder under the chin once, he has mentioned it a thousand times in the last few weeks. Well, holy smokes. Like, I might as well have said, I might as well have said, uh, something extremely controversial in 2020. I might as well have said, like, you know, uh, Donald Trump is my dad, and I love I love him, and he's <laughs> he can do no wrong, or he's the Messiah. Like, I could have said that. The, so so Nick, Nick quote tweets it and, and says, uh, what is it, where is it, where is it? He says, uh, if you've got, oh, no, wait a minute. He's quote tweeted us like twice. Okay, I'll be fascinated to hear from your experiences at playing at the highest level what you tribute to all your successes. Do tell. And boy, did we, I mean, the people that follow Nick Faldo must be majority shareholders in Magisil because they are all a bunch of twats. They they were the most sensitive bunch I have ever seen on Twitter and Twitter is full of sensitive bunches of people. Yeah. They were coming at me, "Well, have you won six majors and a president's cup or a Ryder cup blah blah blah? Have you, you know, well what's what what do you know about the golf swing and you're just a bunch of uh, troll Twitter people and one guy was like oh I can't wait to see the followers you lose as a result of this meanwhile our followers have gone up thanks to Nick for quote tweeting it we appreciate that uh, we've had people go talk about uh, just insane stuff comments on it extremely sen- you call me sensitive my goodness the, yeah they must be all a bunch of pats walking around <laughs> or something. I, I've never in my life seen it it this, is like, this is it's insane it's just an observation too like you like you're not allowed to criticize somebody who's a six-time major and you didn't even really criticize him you just said hey i wouldn't mind a different swing tip or whatever because you throw that out all the time like i just i, I could not i mean it was just so, so it was this one guy i so i said so I, I commented i said it was just an observation people calm down 
I said, calm, calm down. We tagged the sir. We weren't dodging the observation. We're just giving the sir a friendly observation that maybe share a different nugget considering his infinite wisdom and his six freaking majors. This guy's commenting, it's fair to say that by attacking a man who is 12th on the most majors of all time list that you have upset a lot of people. Now, I can tell this dude's a, a Euro. No offense to our Euros, but this guy's a sook. He goes, whilst it's commendable that you recognize that with the eloquent calm the shit down you asked us all to do, perhaps further comments are unwarranted and unwelcomed. My God. I mean, I, the fact that these people think I have offended so many people. One guy sent me a thing about saying that I have embarrassed myself completely on social media. I, I cannot believe the response. <laughs> if you guys are sitting on the toilet taking a shit today and you want some entertainment, go find that tweet of Sir Nick where he quote tweeted it. Don't go to our tweet. Go to Sir Nick's tweet where he quote tweeted it and read the replies. I mean, either 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 his followers are the most loyal bunch of, of just diehards I've ever seen or he has 140 uh, uh, ghost accounts. Like, or, you know, like... <laughs> Like, uh, where it's all him, and he's just logging in and commenting. Meanwhile, we're DMing Nick on the side, and I'm like, bro, your people are off the chain. And he's like, ha-ha, golfers need reminding that that left shoulder needs to get turned. And I'm like, I mean, he's not mad. Like, Nick's not mad. He's not he's, mad at he's, us. He's, yeah. he's having a friendly back and forth, but the amount of people losing their freaking mind is crazy if you want a little bit of entertainment. Go look at that. I haven't had my friend. I had a friend from Florida who's actually neighbors with Nick Faldo tweet me and go, bro, I have never seen people get so worked up. He's like, I've never seen so much vaginal bleeding in my life, and I'm a doctor. <laughs> I mean, these people are insane. Yeah, burner accounts, that's what it is. Either they're all Nick's burner accounts or I don't know. Anyway, that's my mini putter throw. Pat, Oh, Kyle Sinehy, back to the chunk and run. Kyle yeah. Sinehy wants to know your most embarrassing TJ moment. Now, hmm. mine and yours should be the same moment. Mm, I don't oh, know so, if it's going to be. So, so that's one reason why I kind of took the the, put, the putter throw liberty, because I think that it should be the same moment, and you're going to talk about it, or I'm going to talk about it, and we're just going to cover it in that one hit. I don't know if it's It gonna should be the, be the same moment. I don't know if it's going to be the same moment. It could okay. be though. It could be though. Do tell. Now I'll Do give, tell your I'll most give embarrassing you what, TJ I'll moment. give you the side moment. Uh, this is not what I thought was the most embarrassing moment because it because it in the, on the the it, it created many positives from it. But that was the Bohm moment where you know I, I we we all know where Bohm came from and the videos <laughs> yeah. out there where I'm you know yeah. after the Ryder Cup might be a little tipsy and I you know DB passes me the basketball and I would say I'm going to hit this you know Bohm. And it's an air ball, uh, from but yep. but that was a good moment. And so if you're a new listener to the show, that's where Bohm comes from and why we say it a lot and everything there. But for me, I gotta say probably the most embarrassing moment is being a guest on another show and falling asleep on the show. Yep. Ding <laughs> that, ding 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 ding. That, that's it. That that was, is the that most... was also my most embarrassing moment. <laughs> I mean, you get asked to be on another show, and you are so hammered let's just go ahead and say it falling asleep is not the word like yeah. it's passing not like you out. worked a night shift yeah and you, yeah, yeah. Out. you passed out passed out on the show uh, it was funny <laughs> but it was quite it embarrassing was and um i'm sure it was embarrassing for you as said tj co-host 
Um, so yeah. I have to say, that, and I thought there was a chance that might be what you were thinking too, but that is definitely by far the most embarrassing yeah. amongst many different things. You can talk about me many. misspelling, you know, or mis, you know, pronouncing names and things like that, you know, stuff like that. You know, I don't know. There's, there's little tons. stuff. Though. Yeah, That's there's a lot stuff. of little stuff. Yeah, I mean, when for me, when you're trying to, you're a guest on another podcast who respects you and respects what you've done and wants to highlight you to their listeners, and uh, you know, um, it's an opportunity for you to shine in front of their listeners that maybe don't know who you are, and so then maybe they become listeners themselves. I actually, I would love, I actually, I would love to know if there was anybody that heard that. And that was their very first exposure to TJ, and now they are listeners as a result. I would love to know that. I would, I would love absolutely to love to know that. Yeah. I don't even remember the name of the show. It was like three, four years ago. Was it? Um, it's not around anymore. The show's oh, not yeah, in existence yeah. anymore. But it was, a, it was a while ago. But, you know, when they kick it to your co-host to get his thoughts on something, and it's silent for an awkward amount of time, and then you... You try to pick up, you know, a good good co-host would be like, well, let me, let, you know, Pat must have dropped off, something must have happened, blah, 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 blah. But then in the middle of you talking, you hear, <laughs> you know, you, you hear someone going through, you know, sleep apnea on, on, the, on the phone um, because they passed out. That takes it to a different level. And, uh, yeah, that was an amazing episode, amazing time. Mm. And they published it. They published it. I don't know if you can still go back and listen to it because they're not a show anymore, but yeah. they, they did publish the full us discovering that Pat had passed out and Pat snoring. It was all published. It was fantastic. Definitely my most embarrassing moment. Well, and Although, then at the end, it took them, I mean, I'm embarrassed for them as well because they, like, I never hung up. So, like, after y'all were done, they had to wait <laughs> till I figured it out and, you know, woke up and hung up so that they could, I guess, download whatever it was. I don't know. But. Yeah, because it wouldn't download until you hung up. <laughs> you had to wait online for like 20 minutes after we were done. Yeah. Um, I will give you a couple brief honorable mentions for myself. I had the worst chafing situation, which shout out to our boys at the Chill Boys. Um, for If they would have been around at this time, it maybe not would have happened, but... Well, we went to the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow a couple years ago. I had a really bad chafing situation mm. that went down because it was so freaking was so hot, hot and humid. And the last day, I'm walking around with my wife like a like I'm Danny DeVito in the Batman movie where he's the penguin, and I'm like waddling. That was embarrassing. Um, and you know what moment I thought of, Pat, that I don't think you and I have ever really talked about, but when I look back on it, I'm a little embarrassed. PGA show. Uh, probably three years ago when we went. It's 5 o'clock, and so some of the cool booths, like Travis Matthew, open up, open beer, uh, or, you know, open uh, open bar. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a few beers deep, and they're playing some really good music, and they have a, they have a karaoke person in there. And I, I went down and, and did uh, California Love yes. karaoke. Yes, yes. Uh, I, rapped, I rapped California Love, which... I, you know, I'm not a bad rapper. I do have to say that. But when I look back at it, I think to myself, that was probably a tough look. There was some <laughs> there were some people in the industry in there. There were some people we knew in there. There were some influencers in there, in the Travis Matthew booth. And looking back on it, I don't feel like I really remember the crowd getting too into it. You know what I mean? Like I was trying to get them yeah. there, but... So you, you read really, the crowd improperly and uh, just I kind of just read it, but it was just one of those brave moments where I was like, you know, oh, man, yeah, I'm gonna go down here and rap California Love, and I did it. But looking back, it wasn't it wasn't the best. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, good chunk and run question there from Kyle. Our final chunk and run question of the night. And we're going to end it with this from Mr. Chris Jackson. Thanks, Chris. Do golfers have a different approach pre-cut versus post-cut? So do they approach the tournament and the, the golf course differently leading up to the cut line on Friday versus after? And I think the answer, Chris, is yes. And I think a lot of golfers and caddies that we've talked to would tell you the answer is yes. And the only reason is, uh, well, a couple, I guess a couple reasons. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, I know Joel's mentioned this before, like Joel Damon's mentioned. You know, if, if you get off to a bad start on Thursday, it immediately starts creeping in there, right? Like, oh, God, oh, oh shit, now I'm hanging on. You know, now, now i got to climb all the way back to make this cut number. Um, I think you could just, I think certain guys can just play a little tighter leading up to the cut on Friday because they're, they're trying to hang it on. And they're, so there's more pressure. Maybe they're making, they're making worse decisions in terms of, should I go at this pin or should I, where's the miss here? Um, so they're making different decisions. Whereas you got weekend, you know, if you make it through the cut and you're on the weekend, there's a, a sense of somewhat relief that, you know, now it's kind of a different tournament, right? The tournament almost starts over on on Saturday. Um, and I think it's also different for different players. I mean, you know, does Justin Thomas, who has millions of dollars and all the FedEx Cup points he could he could possibly need, you know, is he stressing about starting off to a bogey-bogey start on a Thursday at a regular, you know, at the 3M Open in the same way that Joel or you know, Kevin Streelman or Cameron Tringali are? Probably not because, I mean, it just means something different to those guys. But I do think there is a clear difference um, for a lot of players in how they approach a pre, you know, a, a, a approach the golf course pre-cut versus post-cut. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that um, a couple things, you know, when you can and you can also kind of take it between like we're in a major this week so it's a little bit different um, than maybe a regular tour event but you got your guys out there that are you know they're just wanting to make the cut because they want it they're trying to keep status they're trying to do whatever and so yeah they're going to probably be a little more serious come thursday and friday and and then if they make it through the cut then we'll see what happens i think for these top players in the world it's a little bit different um you know i saw jack nicholas during the memorial talking about they asked him about you know what was your approach to the week um, of a major and uh, or a big tournament like what did you do and he said well you know typically on Thursday I just wanted to play pretty well I didn't want to like you know come out the gates hot be you know the leading the after the first round I just wanted to have a good tournament Tiger's the same way we saw that a lot with him over his career just kind of be there right near you know just a good solid two three under round whatever it was depending on how difficult the course was and then Friday, keep that keep that going. And then Saturday, like these bigger guys, that's the day. We, I mean, we call it moving day for a reason, but that is the day, like Jack said, where he really wanted to be on, especially in a major. Like he wanted to have his best day and build up to that in a tournament on Saturday. And then on Sunday, just keep it going and keep it together, but not necessarily, you know, feel like he had to go like shoot 10 under or whatever. But that, that's kind of, I think, how you see those, these, these bigger names approach the tournament is those first couple days they just want to get their game in order, keep it there, and then Saturday really try to go low and get themselves in position. I think that's, that's kind of the way they, they typically you know, work, especially for these majors. But, you know, the guys that are, you know, that are struggling, or not struggling, but the ones that are, you know, that, that 
that need to keep their card and things like that. I think Monday or Thursday and Friday is, you know, they are they're just grinding and grinding and grinding and they want to make sure they make that cut. And then after that, there's a little bit of gravy with with everything else. And um, you know, once they get to be better players, they'll probably change their attitude, but um, so I think that's kind of how my opinion of the way players are when it comes to a, a, an event. Good question, Chris. Thanks, uh, thanks for sending that in. If you want to send in a chunk and run question to get on the show, you can send that to info at tourjunkies.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching the show. If you watched on YouTube, we appreciate that. Give us a five-star review on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. That would help us out on Apple Podcasts. Rate the show. Review the show. Five stars. Helps us out. It's free to do. It only takes you a couple minutes. Um, and check out all the content over on tourjunkies.com. Pat will have his Fantasy Golf Sommelier article out on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week for the PGA Championship, talking about wine, talking about liquor, talking about beer in Cali, and relating it to players and picks. It's going to be good stuff. And then we got the Nut Hut on Wednesday and the Chalk Bomb on Wednesday. It's going to be huge. I might also be in the, chalk, uh, in the Nut Hut on Thursday morning, so be on the lookout for that. Thank you guys so much. It's going to be a great week. We appreciate all the support. The PJ Championship is here. First major of 2020. What a weird year. But this is going to be an exciting week. Let's get to it. Let's have some green screens. Thank you guys. See ya. Out. <laughs>